Well, good morning, uh, deacons. On behalf of Pastor Jim, I was going to ask y'all to get the visitors' uh, slips. Um, my name is Matthew DeLauder. Uh, I, this is probably, I think, my seventh time to preach here. Uh, me and Annie were figuring that out because uh, Patton, uh, our youngest, uh, who's with us here today, I think the first time I preached here, Annie was eight months pregnant with Patton. So that's one way we've been able to mark our time coming back and visiting uh, each July. And uh, I just want to just thank you so much uh, for your uh, support and partnership over the years. When we started in New Orleans, I have this picture I took of our first Bible study, which was basically, I think, just five of us around a dining room table. Uh, and uh, I think I shared that picture on social media and, and put something like, you know, we hold this treasure in jars of clay. Um, because our hope, uh, even as we have a humble Bible study uh, at our dining room table with just five adults and maybe six kids at the time, uh, was that if the Lord was going to do something, uh, it was going to be because that we had a treasure and not because of something great um, in ourselves. And by God's grace, um, we have seen the Lord establish a church uh, through our work in New Orleans. And, uh, and now we're, we have the joy of actually putting down permanent roots of having our own church building. Um, I've shared some pictures with uh, Pastor Jim, so he'll be sharing the most uh, updated pictures of our, our, of our building. So just to give you uh, kind of a mental picture right now, um, we currently have our trusses up and are putting uh, the decking on top right now and trying to get our roof ready to have shingles put on, and Lord willing, we'll be putting our siding on soon. Uh, we started this uh, project back in June and have been served greatly uh, by contract labor, but also volunteer labor we've had huge groups come in from Alabama uh, who helped put up our walls uh, we recently had a team from Wisconsin this past week um, who's been helped uh, do bracing uh, with our trusses so we have we've been greatly served so if you would like to come uh, even if it was just for one day um, whether it be you know uh, helping with the framing work that we're doing right now or helping with the siding or even down the road with uh, drywall we would we would greatly receive whatever help we can receive there um, but yeah I do want to express gratitude I can't say thank you enough to this church who has partnered with us uh, longer really than any other church outside of our sending church so thank y'all uh, this morning yet we will be in second Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 through 17 2 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 17. This passage has been a great encouragement to me um, as we have lived in New Orleans and sought to be faithful in preaching the gospel. And uh, really this morning, I want to give you four truths. I want to give you encouragement, but I want to give you four truths for a lifetime of faithful gospel ministry. Four truths from this text for a lifetime of faithful gospel ministry. And the first truth is this, gospel ministry is a grind. Gospel ministry is a grind. Secondly, gospel ministry is a victory parade. Gospel ministry is a victory parade. Third, thirdly, gospel ministry is potent. Gospel ministry is potent. And fourth and lastly, gospel ministry is not to be peddled. Gospel ministry is not to be peddled. So let's see this. Let's see this from the text. Uh, Pastor Jim's already read it, but I want to con uh, continue just to reference it throughout the sermon. Uh, and, and before and before we do that, let me just give uh, time for prayer that the Lord would help us this morning. 
Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you have, Lord, spoken to us. Lord, we thank you, God, that we do not have to wander in the dark and wonder what you are like as our God. But, Lord, you have spoken, and, Lord, supremely, you have spoken through your Son. Lord, in your Son, we have seen your very character. Lord, we know that there is no God in heaven that is unlike Jesus. He is the very Son of God, Lord, who came humbly, Lord, who died humbly, and who rose in power and who will return again. Father, we pray, Lord, through 2 Corinthians this morning, Lord, that you would teach us all the more about the glory of your Son. Lord, that we would see, Lord, why we experience Jesus as a fragrance from life to life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that that fragrance would be all the more beautiful to us this morning. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room this morning, Lord, who has heard the gospel before and the fragrance of Christ has been a stench of death to them. Lord, we pray, Lord, that it would be an aroma of life to them. Lord, we pray, Lord, even as we will leave here today and go about our lives, Lord, that you would spread this aroma through us. And Lord, that many here in Gonzales and in New Orleans, Lord, would experience the fragrance of Christ as life to life. Father, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first truth this morning, gospel ministry is a grind. Um, I I want you to see this from the text. Uh, In verse 12, he says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, listen to what Paul says here, my spirit was not at rest. Now why, why was Paul's spirit not at rest? He tells us. My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. Now, now we know from other places that Paul had sent Titus out uh, to Corinth with a letter. And so he he sees that Titus has not returned. And so Paul says, instead of taking the open door and Troas to preach the gospel, he says, so I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Now, you get this all throughout 2 Corinthians. When you read 2 Corinthians, something that's very clear throughout 2 Corinthians is all the suffering and affliction that Paul has experienced as he has gone out and ministered the gospel all over the world. And, and, and another thing that is very clear in 2 Corinthians, and I didn't notice this until I read it a couple months ago, uh, also what you, a thing that you see through 2 Corinthians is not just Paul talking about his affliction, but this theme of comfort. Paul starts with this theme of comfort in 2 Corinthians 1, and then you see it traced all throughout the Bible, and you even see him closing out his letter talking about comfort. And, and I think something that's important to see here, normally when you hear that gospel ministry is hard or that gospel ministry is a grind, you may initially think to yourself, well, Matthew, I, said, I thought you said you were going to give us four truths that were going to be to our encouragement this morning. And, and this is what I would want to share with you. I think it is encouraging to know that the Bible, that God, that people who have served the Lord in years past have no different experience than us when it comes in trying to be faithful to Christ. That gospel ministry is a grind. I remember this being helpful to me even as I was watching um, my wife give labor to Eliana. 
Uh, so uh, when we were having Eliana, uh, Annie was a high-risk pregnancy because she'd had a lot of miscarriages. So when it came time for Annie to deliver Eliana, um, uh, I remember a bunch of doctors and nurses came into the room since Annie was a high-risk pregnancy. I remember they had put oxygen on Annie's face the whole moment, and, and, and I've yet to experience it. There's nothing more intense than labor. I played college football. There's nothing more intense than a child being brought into this world. And I remember just sitting there watching my wife in pain and seeing oxygen on her face and seeing even nurses trying to find Eliana's heartbeat. But then I remember looking at the doctor who at that time appeared younger than me, just calmly sitting with her hands together and looking at Annie and assuring her, you're doing just fine. And brothers and sisters, we need this when it comes to ministering the gospel. When things are hard, when gospel ministry is a grind, it is important for us to have God's word and God's people say to us, there's nothing abnormal about this. You're doing just fine. Even the Apostle Paul was not at rest. Even the Apostle Paul experienced great affliction. Uh, he even tells us of this affliction um, in, in, in 2 Corinthians. And, 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 and another thing that we'll see here is just even the delicate relationship that Paul has with the Corinthians because he's had to rebuke them because of their sin. So Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-11, he says, For we do, we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. You, you hear this? He, he, he regularly in 2 Corinthians talking about the affliction they have experienced. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Friend, I wonder if you have ever been there, sleepless nights, or just even thinking, Lord, I don't know if I can make it another day. I, I can assure you, and I'm going to share a little bit more about this throughout this sermon. I can assure you that I have been there. Um, we had about uh, a couple weeks ago, the fourth time that we had uh, material stolen from our property as we were tr uh, trying to build this church building uh, on, on Elysian Fields. And let me tell you, as I'm like making the block and just trying to think, what do I need to do for this day? Since we... Every, all the materials we're going to work with for that day have been stolen from us. I'm praying to the Lord and I'm thinking, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you letting this happen to us as we try to be faithful here in this city? I, I don't understand. I found myself in a place of despair. And Christian, you, you need to know this. Apostle Paul experienced despair. And you need to know this, as you faithfully minister the gospel, as you faithfully carry out your lives trying to honor Jesus and spread the fragrance of him to everyone that you know, there will be times of despair, and this is not abnormal. Uh, Paul says this as well in, in 2 Corinthians 2.1. Paul says, for I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. Do you hear that? His dealings with the Corinthians were painful. He had to say hard things to them. He had painful visits to make to them. And he says, I made up my mind to, make, to not make another painful visit to you. And then he goes on in 2.4 to say, for I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Now, now you need to understand on top of this, Paul had recently left a ride in Ephesus to go to Troas to meet, Timoth to meet a Titus. 
And, 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 and Paul had sent Titus to the church of Corinth with what was referred to a letter of severity. And when Paul doesn't find Titus in Troas, what I think is going on here is his mind is going to the worst case scenarios. I've sent my brother out. I already have a delicate relationship with the church in Corinth. I've had to rebuke him. I've had to make painful visits. And I think what's happening in Paul's mind is like, what happened to Titus? Are things worse in Corinth? Was Titus harmed in his travel there? And Paul is torn. He says here, I have an open door to preach the gospel in Troas, but I don't see my brother. Now what's interesting here is when commentators talk about Paul foregoing this open door to preach the gospel in Troas, some will say that Paul was wrong to do that. Now we do know this, Paul is not Jesus Christ. Paul is an apostle, but he is not God. Paul could have very well made bad decisions. We even see Paul and Barnabas, they split ways because they disagree. So these, these are men, right? They're men led by the Spirit of God, but they're men nonetheless. So Paul could have been wrong to leave uh, his opportunity to preach in Troas. Um, but I, I would say as I look at this, I, I don't think that Paul was wrong to forego this open door to preach in Troas. And let me give you three reasons why I think this is the case. The first reason is this is because Paul later gets to preach in Troas. So this open door doesn't necessarily close. He has another opportunity to go there and preach in Troas. And another thing, and I think you even see this throughout 2 Corinthians and really throughout all, this, all the New Testament letters, is that what we see is that the gospel creates a people who value people over pragmatism. The gospel creates a people who value people over pragmatism. And, and, and if I could say it another way, those who grind it out in gospel ministry are not opposed to strategy, but most certainly we value people over pragmatism. So this doesn't mean that Paul would be opposed to strategy in any way. He sees this open door. Okay, strategically, this would be right for me to take it. But what I think we're seeing here is that Paul is say, seeing I have a brother that's missing, and that takes priority right now. And the third reason would be here is a theme that I think that you see in 2 Corinthians is that God comforts his people through God's people. God comforts his people through God's people. So lastly, I think Paul was right to pass up the open door because the theme that you see in 2 Corinthians is comfort to those who are afflicted. Gospel ministry is a grind, and God is a comfort to his people, and God is often a comfort to his people through other people. See this in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. Paul says this, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Do you hear that? Still this theme throughout 2 Corinthians. Affliction, no rest, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. Listen to this. But God, who comforts the downcast. Brothers and sisters, there are very simple phrases that are said in the Bible that we just need to let ourselves marinate, let our souls marinate. And this is something we don't need to assume. Other, other scriptures, other, other holy teachings about other gods don't say things like this. And we need to stop for a moment and say, 
but our word of God does. Our scripture does. And this is what the word of God says about God. He is a God who comforts the downcast. Does that not encourage you? Brothers, I don't know about, like when I read Psalm 34 and I hear that the God that we serve is a God who is near the broken heart. Not, not someone who is just annoyed by the broken hearted, but someone who is near the broken hearted. The God of the Bible is a God who comforts the downcast. Now here's the question. How does he do that? There are many ways that he can do that. One, he can do that by the, his own internal working of the Holy Spirit. He can comfort us in ways that surpass our understanding, you know, a peace that surpasses our understanding. But listen to what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 7. He says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoice still more. Do you hear how God comforts the downcast? God often comforts the downcast through his own people. And, and for whatever Paul would have maybe been nervous about what was going on in Corinth, what we find out here is that Titus brought comfort to Paul, but who was it that comforted Titus? The Corinthians. Titus had received comfort from the Corinthians. Friends, I want to say this to you this morning, close with this first point. Gospel ministry is a grind, which is all the more reason when we gather on Sunday, we need to seek ways that we may comfort one another. And it's all the more reason why, why when someone asks you, how are you doing, you need to be honest with that answer. Are you struggling? Are you discouraged? Was your prayer this morning as you got up to come to church, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Share this with your brothers and sisters so that we may be a comfort to one another. This is the means by which God extends his very comfort. Secondly, Gospel ministry is a victory parade. Gospel ministry is a victory parade. See this in verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. So we see basically, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a victory parade and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, this should be a great encouragement to us all this morning for th this reason right here. What we should be encouraged about right here is that when we go about seeking to spread the aroma of Jesus, we are not trying to make Jesus victorious. Jesus already is victorious. We minister the gospel out of victory. We're not trying to obtain victory but we minister the gospel out of victory. So as oftentimes, and, and, and I would say even recent in New Orleans, as we've had a great uptick in crime in the past year and year and a half, as we're seeking to remain faithful there, and I'm, and I'm telling you, as, as you're building a physical building, you're investing a lot of money, a lot of time and seeing this building go up, and you're just seeing crime increase around you, you begin to think, man, have I made a mistake? <laughs> 
Is, is, this, is this what I need to be doing with my time in this life that is so short? But I think the, the, the encouragement that we have, and this is a question that was even asked to me one time by a college student. One time a college student was uh, serving, I think for a week, uh, down in New Orleans uh, and helping with our church. And, and towards the end, uh, we did something and we had like a Q&A. And then one of the questions they asked me was, uh, well, Matthew, we're just curious, how do y'all persevere in ministry? You know, when y'all had discouragements, um, whether it be something recent like theft, or even back in January, we had a, a youth who uh, used to attend one of our Bible studies, was shot and killed. How, how, how do you persevere and through such situations? And, and this is why I told him, I was like, I, I hate to give you a Sunday school answer, but this is what I'm going to tell you, and it's, and it's the truth. The way that we can persevere in ministry when it's hard is to know this and hold fast to this, that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is not dead. Listen to me, like I'm ready to pack everything up and move back to Mississippi and just live next to my mom if Jesus is not risen. (laughs) That, that, that. That, that is the only reason that I even want to get up in this pulpit this morning is because I believe Jesus is risen. Brothers and sisters, we all, and Paul would even say this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, we are all wasting our time this morning. There could be much better. Some of y'all could be having brunch at a, you know, a nice restaurant this morning. We are all wasting our time if Jesus is not risen. But we are led to spread the fragrance of Christ in triumphal procession because Jesus is risen. He is resurrected. And think about how much confidence this should give you to share the gospel with your neighbor. Think about how much confidence this should give you to share the gospel with your coworker. And we can often just be discouraged and sharing the gospel, just like, ah, I don't know if I'll have the right answers. Jesus is risen. (laughs) Who cares if you have the right answer that sounds good in that moment? Faithfully tell of Jesus. Faithfully put his fragrance out there and let his power work. Jesus leads us in triumphal procession. We are not just kind of crawling about as Christians trying to make Jesus awesome. No, Jesus is already awesome. He is already victorious. He is already risen. I tell you one way this has really encouraged me recently in thinking about the power that we have in Jesus and him being risen. The power of this triumphal procession is to think about the people who are stolen from us. Now I'll tell you, this, th- these were not my initial thoughts. <laughs> my initial thoughts were, I want, I want justice. <laughs> and I, I personally want to bring that justice. Um, those were my initial thoughts when we were stolen from but this has been my prayer, and, and, and I think this has been the Spirit leading me out of sinful thoughts uh, towards those who have taken from us. Th- th- these, this has been my prayer. Maybe you could even pray this. Lord, I pray whoever stole from us drives by this church building, and every time they drive by this church building, that your Spirit would work in their heart, that your Spirit would convict them of what they have done and that one day they'll come 
knocking on my office door, just coming on a Sunday and repenting of what they've done. Let me tell you, whatever thousands of dollars we lost in lumber, that's nothing in comparison to a sinner who repents for who all heaven will rejoice. And let me tell you, Jesus, if he wants that sinner to repent, oh, they, they, they will repent. So would you pray with us? Would you pray with us that those who stole from us, that they would be brought to repentance because Christ is risen and leads us in triumphal procession? Third truth about gospel ministry from this passage, gospel ministry is potent. We see that, right? We, there's this fragrance of the knowledge of, of Christ that is being spread everywhere. And he says, even this, the fragrance of Christ is being spread through us. For we, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Brothers and sisters, gospel ministry is potent. It is, it is strong. You will not find anyone who is indifferent to the preaching of the gospel. It is life to life to some, and it is death to death to those who are perishing. Let, let me point out, though, that I see three really parties here, three nostrils who are breathing in the fragrance of Jesus. The first we see is that the gospel that the fragrance of Christ is an aroma of life to those who are being saved. It is potent to believers, but it is a beautiful aroma to those who are being saved. Now, I wish I could spend just a whole sermon on this to think about all the different aromas of Jesus. But let me give you three aromas, three fragrances of Christ this morning. The first is this, Jesus's humility. The aroma of Jesus' humility. Think about the God that we serve, the Jesus that we worship this morning, the very Son of God, who we confess with the Nicene Creed, God of God, light of light, came and was humbly born and laid in a food trough. That is the Jesus we serve, Jesus who grew up in poor hick town Nazareth, Jesus, who at the age of 30 starts to minister humbly, to be scorned by his people, and then to be crucified, to bleed, to die, to pray for his enemies in his dying moments. Brothers and sisters, do you smell the humility of Jesus? By his humble work, you can know him. Think about this. Think about the aroma of Christ's forgiveness. The aroma of Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus is so full of grace and mercy that he can forgive any sinner. I, I, we sing the song that y'all sang this morning, His Mercy is More. What a beautiful song. And you love that song as you sing it this morning because you love this fragrance of Christ. That Jesus is full of grace and mercy to forgive. Uh, even this morning when I was getting ready to, to drive to Gonzales, I thought about a past sin um, and it made me grimace. You ever done that before? Something you said to someone you just deeply regret? 
Something maybe you even thought, action you did that no one knew about, but it makes you grimace. Brother, sister, hear me this morning. If you are in Jesus, you may grimace about past sins, but Jesus doesn't grimace about any of them. And it is not because he does not have a holy hatred towards sin. No, it is because his grace and mercy is so great. He has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. His lack of grimacing towards your sins is a testimony to the power of what he has done through the cross. This is how gracious Jesus is. This is how great his mercy is. Do you smell that aroma of his forgiveness? Let me give you one more aroma. Jesus' diligence to pursue. Jesus' diligence to pursue. One thing that's encouraged me recently is that Jesus does not tire of pursuing sinners. Jesus is a shepherd that goes over every high hill and every low valley. Now, let me tell you, pursuit tells you something about your love for someone. And I learned this recently uh, by uh, our dog. So we have, a, we have a dog. Her name's Nola. She's a beagle. I would not recommend buying a beagle when you live in a city. <laughs> they don't belong in cities. <laughs> they need to be somewhere where they can roam. So we have a beagle. And getting energy, energy out of her is just like so hard to do. Um, so she escapes a lot. Any, any window of opportunity she, she sees, she's gone. And um, I found uh, a lot about how much I love Nola uh, when she got out here recently. It was about 95 degrees at 9 a.m. in the morning, something like that, and she got out. I think it was maybe even earlier than that. And the extent of my love that morning was two to three blocks. That's how far I chased her. Kept pursuing her, kept pursuing her. Nola, Nola, she's just running as far as she can. And maybe in January, it would be five to six blocks, but June, New Orleans, 95 degrees in the morning, two to three blocks. That's all I was going to give her. And she, she can just find her way. She's got, I mean, she's got a nose, right? She, she's going to find her way home. Brothers and sisters, Jesus never tires of pursuing you and me. Jesus never tires of pursuing sinners. We very well may tire ourselves out on our own foolish pursuit of sin, but Jesus pursues us. There's no mountain too high, no valley too low, no thicket too caught up that we're in. Jesus is a savior that pursues sinners. Don't you love that aroma, that aroma, that fragrance of Christ? We see that Jesus is not only potent to believers, but Jesus is also potent to unbelievers. The gospel is an aroma of death to death to those who are perishing. Now this is a discouraging thing to hear, but it's very helpful, just even as I shared earlier in the first point, that gospel ministry is a grind. It's important to look at the doctor as your wife is suffering and to hear, oh, this is, this is, this is normal. Okay, we're good. It's also important to hear that when people revile the gospel, when people hate Christ, when people mock you for your faith, when people say that is 
disgusting. How could you even believe that? That you need to know that Jesus and Paul would have us see that this is not abnormal. That Jesus, the master, was hated. And he looked at his disciples and said to them, if the master will be hated, the teacher will be hated, the student will be also. And Paul even picks up something similar here. You're going to smell the aroma of Christ. You're going to smell that Jesus is a savior of sinners. He forgives sinners. He pursues sinners. And then you're going to preach that gospel to someone else and say, and they're going to respond, I'm not a sinner. How dare you call me a sinner? That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And you need not be discouraged in that moment. But you need to know Paul, through the very inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that the gospel the fragrance of Christ that is spread through us, that it's potent and it's a foul stench in the nostrils of others. But here's what should be most important to us. We see here, it says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And he says this, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. One thing that's important to see that there's also another nostril, if you will, involved, and it's the very nostril of of God. What matters in this world, most of all, is what does the fragrance of Christ, what does it smell to God? Who is Jesus to God? And we know that very clearly. Jesus, even in his own baptism, God the Father Resounds. This is my son with whom I am very pleased. God delights in Jesus and God delights in the worship of his people. People, your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers, they may smirk at your faith in Jesus, but that need not discourage you because God delights at your faith in Jesus. Fourth and lastly, what we need to see this morning about gospel ministry is gospel ministry is not to be peddled. It's not to be peddled. This is actually a very strong word. Almost, English translation, it almost feels like it's kind of like taming what's being said here. And so let me just bring that out a little bit. Another word for this word peddled is adulterated. That, and then let me read it to you. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. So, replace that adulterated or even like this pimped out we're not like those who would pimp out god's word basically the gospel is not to be pimped out for profit and we often see this you see this uh as paul uh would write uh, in many new testament letters as he gives warning to false teachers what is often the way that he's characterizing the fruit of false teachers well they're conceited and they're often preaching for some type of gain They're trying to use uh, godliness as a means for what? For gain. So that that, that they can can financially or materially gain from it. So Paul is making a contrast between him who preaches with sincerity and those who peddle out the gospel or even, I I think a, a better word is adulterate the gospel. They pimp out the gospel. And the goal of their preaching is to stuff their pockets And Paul's sufficiency is not found in how profitable he is as a preacher. Rather, as he says in chapter 3, his sufficiency is from God. So this is very important for our day. Preachers should never preach for position or platform. 
And especially, we see this in our day of social media. And I, and I do want to be careful. We, we, we do need to give due honor, right? For those who handle God's word, who preach faithfully, who care faithfully for the congregation. But we also need to be careful that preachers are not put in a place where they are treated like they're um, celebrities. And th- this, is a, this, this can be a, 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 a challenge, not just in our day, but we even see back in Paul's day, even the Corinthians had their own celebrity preachers. Oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, right? And so the, the gospel should never be peddled out for, for, for money. It should never be pimped out for profit or for positions of notoriety or for platforms of influence. Rather, we should do what with the gospel? We should preach it with sincerity. We should preach the gospel with sincerity. You see, Paul says that. He says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So what leads us to speak? What leads us to preach with sincerity? This. When we know that we have been commissioned by God and preach in the sight of God. That is what leads you to preach with sincerity. And this should sober us and this should encourage us. It should sober us to know that the Lord sees why we preach. Do we share the gospel for our own sinful interest to make Christ known? And secondly, it should encourage us because the gospel is not my initiative. This is something that has really just anchored me to be faithful in New Orleans for however long I can be. Is to know this. Planting Emmanuel Community Church, sure it's taken some initiative, it's taken some effort, it's taken some blood, sweat, and tears on my part and the part of others. But here's the reality. Christ Church has been marching forward for 2,000 years now. And God is the one who has made that his initiative. We operate out of his initiative. And when we remember it is God who has commissioned us to preach Christ, and it is in his sight that we preach Christ, we will preach the gospel with all sincerity. Those are the four truths that I want to give you this morning when it comes to leading a life of faithful gospel ministry. But before I call Pastor Jim up, I do want to invite anyone this morning. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard this about Christ. That Christ is someone who can forgive. And forgive with such a great grace that even the sins that you grimace about, he would no longer grimace about. I, I want to invite you, Pastor Jim's going to come up here. Um, I would invite you, talk with Pastor Jim, talk with a friend that you came with. Maybe it's your mom or dad. Maybe you're a child sitting here and you're hearing the gospel preach. Ask about Jesus and the work that he has done on the cross. Ask about his work to forgive that you may believe in him, turn to him, and follow him all the days of your life. I want to pray and I'll have Pastor Jim come. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we do pray. Lord, that you would help us to rest, to delight, and to breathe in all the more the aroma of Christ, his fragrance, and to love it as life to life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to persevere, 
and not to become discouraged, uh, Lord, when gospel ministry is very much a grind. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to remember that Jesus himself lived a perfect life. And as he proclaimed the truth, Lord, it led to his, his death. Nobody could have preached with more wisdom than Jesus. And Lord, he was killed. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that we would remember even the example of Paul. Father, his faithfulness. And though he was faithful, Lord, he experienced much affliction. Lord, he did not preach the gospel for profit. He did not preach the gospel that he may stuff his pockets, but he was a man who lived uh, at sometimes to the point of despair. Lord, I pray for the hearts here this morning that may be downcast. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would find the very comfort of God. Lord, whether it be just through the, your own internal work of your Holy Spirit, or Father, whether it be, Lord, your Spirit working through the, the, the comfort that a brother or sister can bring in this congregation. And Father, we pray, Lord, for those who would be sitting here today, Lord, who feel weighed down, Lord, by their sin. Lord, they feel the guilt of their sin. They feel, Lord, and know that they would justly receive your condemnation. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would find Jesus this morning who forgives, that they would come to him knowing that he would gladly be the good shepherd of their soul. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.